Welcome back, musical lovers, to another episode of Before the Down Beat. I am your host, Mackenzie Horner, and I am joined once again by my friend and Canadian B. Arthur co-host extraordinaire, <laughs> Autumn Smith. Yay! Hello, everyone. Autumn, how are you doing? I'm great. Are you excited to talk about this week's uh, musical? I really am. Okay, excellent. Well, in that case, I w- we won't delay it. But this week we're talking about the musical theater classic that actually, I think, changed the face of musicals going forward. And that is the 1957 musical, West Side Story. to begin right yeah. well i think we gotta start with like way back at the start of musicals Let's do it so why don't we start off autumn by you giving us a brief rundown of the who's who of the creative team wow um yes jumping right this into the like, deep end. It, might, it might be might be um <laughs> well it is um <clears throat> penned as we all know by leonard bernstein composed yep um, with lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, that's what getting into more of him. Right it is right after um, um, s- um, Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. That was the only other musical he had written for before before West Side. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we know how successful that was. Yeah, not, uh, not done very often. So this was his. <laughs> this is his big in. Yeah, uh, working with with Bernstein. Yep, or Bernstein. Yep. Uh, depending, Erwin mm-hmm. uh, Costell or Costell did. Um, the orchestrations. Yes. And was instrumental in the scoring of the film version. Of yes, it. he was. Yeah. Uh, and the director producer was Robert Weiss. Yep. Of the film version. Yep. And Jerome Robbins, of course, choreographed and directed and directed the Broadway version. Yep. Yeah. And don't forget about um, Hal Prince. Oh, Hal Prince. Was he the AD? He was the uh, producer of the Broadway production. Oh my God. He, I didn't even that, have that in my notes. That Mac. was one of his first big um, shows that he backed. We'll we'll get. We should just do a whole day of how Prince of like like instrumental directors. I love of musical theater. We'll do a list of like the top ten most influential directors of Broadway and and talk about them. Yes, and their choices. It's true because there are and some whether interesting we agree ones. with them or not. Yes, so that's coming in in a later season, maybe in. Next week. Just kidding. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about Bernstein. Yeah, for a let's, second. let's get into so him. He was um, a composer. Yes, like that that is who he was. Yeah, he composed symphonies. He composed ballet. Yes, and we see both of those elements coming mm-hmm. into West Side Story, which yep. I think um, makes it probably one of the most beautiful pieces of musical theater. I would completely ever agree. Made. I would completely agree with that. Um, he wrote he wrote music for dancers so beautifully. Yes, um, but we'll get more about that. We'll get more into that yep. when we get to our favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the music director of the New York Philharmonic. Yes, uh, and he was the composer of Peter Pan. Yeah, Candide, oh which is one of my favorites. Yeah, Wonderful Town uh, and On the Town. Yeah. Um, and you know he lectured um, on about classical music on television, yes. and he was a skilled <laughs> pianist. 
And he was critical mm-hmm. in uh, reviving the music of Gustav Mahler. Ooh, I didn't know that. I know. I was really, I was really um, pleasantly surprised by that. Mahler Interesting. Is a, yeah, Mahler is amazing um, and complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote, as I said, many styles, uh, symphonic, orchestral, ballet, film, theater music, choral works, Opera, mm-hmm. uh, chamber music, masses. Um, he was eclectic. He fused elements of jazz, yes, uh, klezmer, Jewish music, mm-hmm. um, theater music, and he um, liked the works of like Copland, Stravinsky, yes. Gershwin, uh, and all of this came together yes. in his own. He branded his own style for sure. Um, what I found really interesting about him here, hold on one second yeah. as I go through my notes. Yes. He, uh, well, he, he won a ton of awards. Was it him that won the, one of the first EGOTs? No. No. That was Robbins, I think. Yes. And no, um, and also Rita Moreno. And Rita Moreno. That's right. Who just won a PEGOT. She won, I think, a, I believe she won a Pulitzer. Did she really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This lady's winning everything. I know. Fantastic in one day at a time, by the way. I have not seen her in that show yet on Netflix. Really? You, you said that to me earlier. It's I such think. a good show. Definitely watch that TV show. Okay. Got canceled after, uh, after season three and it's an absolute tragedy. With that, sh- that show had so much potential. Norman Lear, Rita Moreno. Oh man. So good. Anyway, uh, Bernstein is amazing. It's as true. As we know. Uh, and then we move into Sondheim, who I'm not going to touch on right now. No, because we have other stuff with him uh, coming because up. Because we have a couple of other Sondheims <clears throat> exactly. this season. Um, one? Two? Two. We have two? Yeah. We have two. One oh, one, one that do. you chose and one that I chose. Right. So okay. so definitely Sondheim will come up in a later See, episode. We'll, we'll get to that guy. Yeah. We'll get to Just that know guy. he's a big guy who's chained musicals. He is. Uh, sure. I, I, will, I will state very firmly that I think he is the Shakespeare of the musical theater. I genre. would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. But, you know, we'll get on to that. Exactly. But he did write all his own stuff, not it's like true. that Shakespeare guy. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jerome Robbins. Yep. Um, complicated guy, yep. personally. Yes. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. World-renowned for his work as a choreographer mm-hmm. of ballets. Yep. As well as his work in theater, uh, movies, and television. He did, of course, West Side Story, which we're yep. talking about, On the Town. Um, Fiddler. Fiddler. King and I, yep. Gypsy, yep. Peter Pan. Uh, his latest Broadway, his last Broadway production was in 1989. Ooh, what was it? And it was Jerome Robbins' Broadway. Oh, with Jason Alexander. That's right. And it won six Tony Awards. <laughs> um, you should look up. Is he the one that won the EGOT? I don't even know. I, let's, uh, let's look it up. Let's find out if let's find Jerome out Robbins won the EGOT. One of these people did. Um. He created over 60 ballets, which I found really uh, amazing. Uh, And they're constantly being um, part of the repertoire at the New York City Ballet. Uh, One of his last ballets included a suite of dances created for Mikhail Baryshnikov. Ah, yes. In 1994. Uh, He won two academies for West Side Story. Yep. He received four Tonys, five Donaldson Awards, an Emmy, a Screen Directors Guild Award, and a New York City Drama Circle Award. Okay, so okay, so he's not the um, he's not. EGOT because he never won a Grammy. Oh, That's the one thing he missed damn. out on. He, he got the Oscar, the Tony. I think it's my next Emmy. friend here. Who, Mr. Irwin. Irwin? 
Postal. Ooh. Yeah. So. I don't know, because I always know about Arthur Lawrence, right, writing the, writing the book. Yes, absolutely. So I didn't know about Irwin. Well, he was the orchestrator, right? Who's like, a so, role that's very underappreciated in musicals. It really is. It's, it's kind of a casting directors in film where, where like a lot of people think that the composer writes all the orchestrations for the entire no, musical, which sometimes they do. There are there are some composers who do that, like Lloyd Webber. Many, um, I, I think Lloyd <laughs> Webber is one of the few who still does that because mm-hmm. he's just one of those manic composers that just has to do everything himself um but for the most part usually it's they'll write the main melody and the main piano part yeah of the song and then they give it over to an orchestrator who then goes what is this uh song how are we going to put all of the yes, instruments into exactly this because piece? exactly because not everything can be done by piano even no. though although i think a production of gypsy done solely by piano i think would be fascinating we'll talk about that later yeah Okay, we will do that. Okay. And I, I know a famous orchestrator, actually. Ooh, who? Um, Are you allowed name, to say? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. His name was Eric James. Oh, okay. And he scored, what did he score? all of Charlie Chaplin's films. <gasps> really? Yeah, he worked hand, hand in, I mean, he's passed now. Yes. But he worked with Charlie Chaplin. Interesting. Who would basically just hum, hum a tune to him, <laughs> and Eric would score it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I love it. Um, so Irwin, our friend Irwin, uh, was the orchestrator for Shinbone Alley, The Music Man. Okay. And West Side Story. Fantastic. Um, he would work on the latter, uh, the work on West Side Story resulted in his being hired to score the 1961 screen adaptation. Makes sense. Um, the quartet, uh, that mm-hmm. he worked with Saul Chaplin, Johnny Green, and Sid Raman. Yeah. They won the Oscar and a Grammy for their contributions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he would also go on to work on The Sound of Music with Saul Chaplin. Ooh. Which also won an Oscar. Yes, it did. Um, for the remainder of his life, uh, Costal divided his time primarily between stage and screen with the occasional detour into television to right. work with people like Carol Burnett ah, okay. and Lucille Ball. Love them both. Both yes. redheads. Well, yeah. Fiery. Fiery and fun. You got it. And he supervised five of the Sherman uh, Brothers musical scores, one of them being Mary Poppins. A great classic Broadway. He also, I know, I, ugh, I love Mary Poppins. In uh, 1982... He conducted the digital re-recording of Fantasia. Ah. Not one yeah. of my favorite Disney movies. No, I don't know it that well. No. But the music. The music is great because it's all that great classical, amazing. Tchaikovsky, yeah. Beethoven, yeah. jazz music. So that was his deal. He was is he a, still alive? He was an orchestrator. Or has he passed away? Uh, oh, jeez. Is Irwin still alive? I'm not sure. I'm we'll say it. yes for now. Okay. And then, of course, you have Arthur Lawrence. Ah, yes. Um, the great Arthur Lawrence. was an American playwright, stage yep. director, screenwriter. Um, after writing scripts for radio shows mm-hmm. uh, and training <clears throat> for films um, for the U.S. Army during World War II, Lawrence turned to writing for Broadway, producing work that includes West Side Story, Gypsy and Hallelujah Baby. Ooh. Uh, his early film scripts include Rope for Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, such a great movie. Uh, great play Stasia, as well. Yeah. Anastasia, The Way We Were. Mm. Always a good one. Yeah. Um, 
He directed a Broadway revival of Gypsy starring Patti LaFone in 2008. Yes, to talk about that in her memoir, where she says, I was one of the best rehearsal experiences of her life because she got to ask... She was working all, with Arthur Lawrence. She was working with Arthur Lawrence and she got to ask all these script <sighs> questions about the book that like nobody can ever ask because Arthur Lawrence isn't always around to answer your questions. No, no. But yeah, if he... You can't just like speed dial him. It's true. Right? Oh, that would be amazing. Right? Like, gonna, from a dramaturgical perspective. Yes. It's like, why do you have Tulsa's random dance number in the middle of Act One? Uh, like, it's a great number. It's yeah. a beautiful dance piece, but it doesn't really add why? much to the plot. It's just kind of there. So, why it's is implanted, it implanted? Yeah. Like, why is it there? Because because it's not because it, it's not even like it's um, uh, Gypsy Rose uh, Lee who, who, who who's his dance partner. It's um or sorry, it is his dance partner. I mean, well, it really should be Baby June because they're the two that run off. That's right. Together, but it's like, why is it Louise instead of? June. So I don't know. There, there's some interesting like dramaturgical questions that I wish you could have asked Lawrence before he died. Because that's. Well, she got to do that. It's true. Lucky lady. Lucky lady, Patty LaPone. Um, he also tackled a bilingual revival of West Side Story. Yes. With Spanish translations. With Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel. I was like, what? Yes. That which I think is, is fantastic. Amazing. I think the Spanish lyrics, especially for a boy like that. We'll talk about like that later. One hundred percent, but it it's works. Like, like the the new Yiddish version of Fiddler on yes. Broadway. Yes, Hallelujah. Yeah, I don't even care if I know what's going on. I just <laughs> want to see it. Exactly, because it's it that is how it is supposed to be done. Yes. Ugh. So I would I would have loved to have seen that. So that's our friend Arthur. I don't. I still don't know who won the EGOT. We'll get there. Maybe in. <laughs> well, I know it's not Robbins. <laughs> I, I know it's not Robbins. It could have been Bernstein. Maybe. Could have been Bernstein. Bernstein, Maybe. Bernstein. I, I always say Bernstein. I already say saying. it was Bernstein too. Yeah. But I don't know why I don't have it. Oh, you know what? It's not. It's coming up in in a new, in the next episode. episode. Very good. <laughs> Makes sense. The next episode. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. <clears throat> Is that it for our creative team today? That's pretty much it for our wonderful creative team all right are I you i can't wait to hear about oh my it. goodness you're gonna you're, you're in for his you're in for a fun history lesson okay so where to start so basically uh this whole musical was conceived by jerome robbins in 1947 uh robbins approached bernstein and lawrence about collaborating on a contemporary adaptation of romeo and juliet he proposed the plot focus on a conflict between an irish catholic family and a jewish family living in lower east side manhattan during Easter Passover season, with the conflict being centered around anti-Semitism of the Catholic Jets toward the Jewish people. Uh, Lawrence wrote the first draft he called East Side Story. Only after he completed it did the group realize it was a little more than a musicalization of themes that already been covered in plays like Abbey Irish Rose. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So the three men then went their separate ways and the piece was shelved for a number of years, almost a decade, five years to be exact. So during the hiatus, funny enough, Bernstein and Lawrence were both out in California doing different projects. And when they met up, ended up discussing the topic of juvenile delinquent gangs because it was a big social problem that was um, creating headline news across the country. Hmm. Um, and so because of that, uh, Bernstein then suggested they turn, they make uh, East Side Street into uh, setting California between Mexican gangs and uh, American gangs. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, Lawrence said he wasn't comfortable with that because he didn't know about that world, uh, about Los Angeles, and he felt he, he was more familiar, familiar with uh, Puerto Ricans and Harlem. So oh, cool. that's why I stayed in New York. Mm -hmm. That's why I stayed in New York. Mm -hmm. 
So when they contacted Robbins and uh, told them his, told him their idea, he was actually enthusiastic because he was really excited to do a musical with a Latin beat and to choreograph to that. Because only Robbins would think about it in that sense. Of course he would. Exactly. Well, and approaching it through a new dance style mm -hmm. right? for, um, you know, an audience that I'm going to venture to say <laughs> was primarily Caucasian and oh, most certainly, yeah, most well, it still is. Oh I'm, yes. <laughs> Exactly. That's a whole other. Uh, that's a whole other tangent. Exactly. Yeah. So a few more years pass. Robbins, Lawrence, and Bernstein eventually all end back up together, and they end up really getting into the piece in 1955. Uh, at this time, Bernstein felt he solely wanted to focus on the music, so he invited uh, a new and up-and-coming composer, lyricist Stephen Sondheim, to write the lyrics. That guy. After seeing um, um, Out on the Town of Saturday Night, which was Sondheim's first musical. Right. Um, so Lawrence uh, and everybody starts writing a new draft. Uh, Lawrence then had some new changes that he was making. So for example, Anton, who was the Irish American character became Tony <laughs> and the, uh, Polish, um, uh, Jewish Maria became Puerto Rican. Maria. Exactly. Which is why, for example, the song Maria has the echo. Was because it was was because originally conceived for East Side Story, it was going to be sung in a Catholic church. Oh, so that's why when Tony sings Maria, there's the male chorus that are echoing because it's the most beautiful sound I ever heard. It's meant to be cathedral sounding echoes. Well, there is something very biblical about that song. Oh, exactly. And the whole concept yeah. of the name being Maria, Mother Mary, you know. Purity. Ver exactly. So there's all that type of stuff there. But that's one of the things there. Hmm. Um, so, uh, once again, as they were writing, some other changes that were made were including moving one hand, one heart. A song we'll get to later because I have some deep opinions on that piece. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or <laughs> not. Well... To the writers, they thought the song was too pristine for the balcony scene, which is supposed to be all lustful and hot and heavy. So they moved it to the bridal shop scene. Mm. And instead, they took the musical motif from the quartet uh, of Tonight and turned that into a full song that was then used on the balcony instead. Um, also funny enough, during the same time as writing uh, West Side Story, Bernstein also wrote Candide. Mm. So that's why there's a lot of crossover between the two. So, for example, the song One Hand, One Heart was actually meant for Kunigonda oh. to sing in, um, in, in Candide. Candide. And actually, their, the whole Joffrey Krupke song was pulled from Candide as well. It was meant to actually be <laughs> set in, in the uh, Venice scene. No, it, yes. really? Yeah, so, so the whole musical motif, which is why there are only two songs in West Side Story where either the music came first or the lyric came first. And so Joffrey Krupke is where the... Music came first, and Sondheim had to write um, uh, specifically for the music that was written. Oh and in return, A Boy Like That and I Have a Love was written by Sondheim first with the lyrics, and um, uh, Bernstein had to put the music to it later. I wonder what's easier to write. Hmm. I would say, for me, like, if I was writing, I would think I would like to have the music first. Me too. Because I would think then that gives me an idea of where we want to go. Because we know plot-wise what's going to happen in that moment. But to have the music really kind of but I don't know. inspire uh, my, you to 
to to to to write what you want to write because it's always harder when like you write a really good lyric but it has to be tossed because it just doesn't work musically where it's like oh, darn it scan exactly so i think yeah. that's why having the music first really kind of helps keep all that together so it's funny though if you talk to composers oh i know they're the opposite it's true they they want to have like because they have no idea what's in the writer's head it's they true. go well i'm laying down this track i don't know where you're going yes with it, but here it is well a good example of that is in beauty and the beast the song be our guest mm-hmm. um they knew it was going to be a moment in the show originally it was actually meant for maurice for when for when he arrives at the castle and all the objects present him with a big meal. Wow. Ultimately, it got moved to Belle because they thought Belle's the central character. You want to get back to her. But the whole concept was... Um, you can't do a kick line with Maurice. You can't do a kick line with Maurice. You just can't. You can't. Um, That'd be odd. It would be odd. But the big <laughs> thing for them was um, Howard Ashman uh, came to Alan Macon and said, okay, what are we doing for this? And Alan said, I don't know. It's going to be something like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so off Alan Macon goes... Or sorry, um... Howard Ashman went, he wrote the lyrics, and he gives it back to Alan Macon to write the music. And for some reason, Alan Macon just couldn't get those dummy melodies out of his head. So he did, like, be our guest, be our guest, and all these different types of melodies. And he's like, and he's like, it just doesn't work. Like, go, so it goes, the first try was the best try. But that ultimately came from Ashman. Ashman and Mencken, once again, going back and forth. So I think a lot of times it just depends on the partnership, because yeah. every partnership's different. Like, like, when we get to Oklahoma, they talk about how... When uh, Hammerstein and Rogers got together, um, it, it was it was or sorry. So when Rogers and Hart, yes, yes. So when they so, so, yes. so when they were doing it, a lot of times the lyrics had to come first because Hart was too scatterbrained to write the music. Oh. And when it came to Hammerstein and Rogers, it was the opposite, where where Hammerstein knew what the melody was going to be right away, so he gave it to Rogers to oh, write I the didn't lyrics. Know that. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. There's some fun behind the scenes of music and how things came to be. So Ta-da. by the fall of 1956, the show was nearing completion. And so the creative team then brought in producer Hal Prince, uh, the young Hal Prince, to produce the show because he came to a reading of it and thought it was absolutely fantastic. But he didn't direct it. He didn't direct it this time. Because everyone forgets Hal Prince started out as a producer and eventually moved his way yeah. into directing. Crazy, eh? Right? Fantastic director, though. Hal Prince. So the first casting choice they actually wanted to make was having James Dean as Tony. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, that seems like such a contemporary trope. It, Let's find the popular person and well, cast them. Well, you can see James Dean as like the Tony type, yeah. but the issue is, is that he died. So they went, okay, I guess that's out. I guess that's not happening. Actually, fun fact about the movie version. Do you know who Jerome Robbins and Robert Weiss wanted for the movie version? Originally no. for Tony. Elvis Presley. Uh, Maria. Uh, can you imagine him? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but imagine oh, no. it makes sense. He's a big name, and just as you say with Meryl Streep being mm-hmm. cast in every movie musical. I I know. <laughs> don't even. Uh, don't even. Don't even get me started. Yeah. But yeah, so once again, James Dean dies, so they're back to the drawing board. And so ultimately, they come up with the original cast, which included Larry Kurt as Tony. Carol Lawrence as Maria, Cheetah Rivera as Anita. Ooh. Yes, gotta love that cheetah. Uh, cheetah. Michael Callan as Riff and Ken uh, Leroy as Bernardo. And fun fact: so George Chakiris, who plays Bernardo in the film version, the film version, they actually found him when he started in the original West End Company as Riff. No way. Yeah. 
The guy that played Bernardo? Played Riff on stage. That's... So that's why during the Rumble, they kept referencing um, George Kirsten being like, George, like, what do you do here for this moment? Because by that point, Jerome Robbins had been fired off the movie. Um... So they had to have somebody there who knew what was going on. So that's why... Oh. That happened there. But yeah. This oh, I want to hear that little juicy detail about why he was fired. Well, I can, well, we can get into that. So basically what happened there in the movie was um, they, uh, they had planned everything out. They were they had, they had out to location. And Jerome Robbins will make some great is he's always trying to perfect the art. He's always trying to make it better. Yeah. So what happened was he would get out on, on, out on location and go, oh, the sun's better at this angle. And oh, we could get a better camera by me like, drilling into the asphalt and having the camera pointing up. And so after a while, they went like way over budget. They were yeah. going crazy, and eventually they just had to go. I'm sorry, but we just can't have you on this picture anymore because you're just costing us too much money. So oh, away they went. They fired Robbins, and Robert Weiss stayed on as director. Fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah. And it was actually him who insisted that when they were nominated for director, that they that they he demanded that they fly out Robbins so they could win it together. Well, that was uh, nice of him. Exactly. Very, very diplomatic. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and for when everybody says, Robbins was a bit of a pain in the butt to work with mm-hmm. on set as well as uh, on stage. And they say Robert West was an absolute doll. Yeah, yeah, he was an absolute wonderful guy. He was the with. antithesis. Exactly. Which makes so, great theater. It's true. It does. So yeah, so anyway, so the cast uh, is assembled. And then actually, so fun fact, so throughout the whole rehearsal period, uh, the the, the uh, New York papers were filled with articles about gang warfare, uh, what's was keeping the show's plot very timely. And Robbins actually kept the cast members uh, playing Jets and Sharks separated in order to discourage uh, any type of socialization to really keep that rivalry between them. And actually would encourage them to go prank each other in rehearsal spaces to keep everybody on their toes. Oh, and how the methody. Yes. Them. And at the same time, he also would post all the articles about gang warfare on, on the rehearsal board. So Jeter Rivera, very particular members of picture of a voicing over another dead body being posted up on, up on the rehearsal board. Where she, that's when she realized just how realistic the show was going to be, how timely and important right. it was. So once again, keeping all that in mind, the show eventually opened in the Winter Garden Theater in NYC after out-of-town trials in Washington. And the show opened on September 26, 1957. And it had generally positive reviews, considering at the time everybody thought the show was going to be a flop because of how dark the material is. Mm. No musical up to that point ever ended with two dead bodies on stage. And no musical ever had ever really ended with an attempted rape, as well as a um, death of the main character. Yes. Um, So in total, the show ran for a total of 732 performances. And closed on June 27th, 1957. Sorry, 19. Yeah. Sorry, 1959. Uh, the show itself was nominated for six Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Performance by an Actress in a Featured Role for Lawrence, which was a mistake by 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 the producers for, for who were submitting what awards we wanted to be qualified for, which is why Cheetah Beer was never nominated for a Tony for Best Supporting Actress for Anita, because it because it came because they because they put Lawrence in supporting instead when when they should have had her in a lead as Maria. Oh. Mar- oh. Hmm. Weird, that's, right? That's that was a bad mistake. Yeah. Um, and then also it was nominated for best choreography, and that was the only Tony it won was for best really? choreography, and also like I think a few for set. Okay. As well. well, what won best musical that year? So it was sadly beat by The Music Man, 
No. Yep, that's what beat it. And here's another no. fun fact for you. We got you. In trouble, my friends. Oh, yes, we do. But I, you can see once again why it won because Music Man is a very stereotypical golden age yeah. Broadway musical. Well, once again, what's the story was pushing. Was pushing a boundary. Was pushing a boundary. People and sometimes, like audience, yeah, some people don't like that. So, mind you, the show has still gone on to have major success. It was revived in 1964, 1980, and 2009 on Broadway, as well as several revivals in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, West History has, has never won the Tony for Best Musical or Best Musical Revival. Well, every it time it's being made into like a remake a, um, with, with yeah. uh, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about that at the end because mm-hmm. I, I think good ideas in there. I just don't know how well it's going to work. So we'll see. So, Autumn, that's kind of the brief production history of West Side Story. I was expecting it to be much longer. Oh, I cut out a lot. I think you did great. I cut out a lot of, there was a lot of other things there about what other projects people were working on, more about the rehearsal, but that's kind of the gist of what happened. And what is West Side Story based on? Romeo and Juliet. R and J. Classic. Yes, classic. So, Autumn, why don't you tell us about your first experiences with West Side Story? Where did it all start with you? West Side Story. I've known this musical forever. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, living in uh, good old Oshawa, Ontario. Oh, yeah, the schwa. The schwa. Mm -hmm. My parents, every Friday night, would dig out records. Ooh, nice. And we would have record dance sing <laughs> uh, I will never forget it. And amongst like John Denver and yep. the Carpenters were Jesus Christ Superstar, Great. West Side Story, yep. all of the favorites. So that was my first. So the music came like, first. The music came first. And then when I was 10, right. my brother mm-hmm. played Diesel Ooh. in the Oshawa Little Theater production. That would be a really interesting production to see a 10-year-old doing these. Well, no, my brother wasn't 10. I was watching. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, he was fifteen. Okay, that makes a little more sense. That makes a little more sense. Um, Still, though, some of the stuff they have to do on stage, like the whole Anita scene, is just yeah, yeah. I can imagine doing that as a sixteen-year-old and what that would do. It was not great. No. Um, How was the dancing? It It was good. Okay. Well, we had great dance studios. Okay. In in Oshawa at the time. Okay. That was kind of a thing everyone did. Okay. So. All right. Well, at least the dancing was good. The dancing was great, mm-hmm. um, and that was my that was my first in. I mean, as a ten year old, I don't think I really got it. Yep, uh, that's usually the case. But I loved it. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Yes. Ha, cool, cool boy. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that song too. Um, but I loved it. I loved it. And the year after that. Uh, was Jesus Christ Superstar. So it was like oh, an go. introduction to really like edgy yes. musical theater Yes, in comparison to Hello, Dolly, and Music Man. <laughs> you know, and Annie, right? Hello, like, Dolly. Yeah. I'm Carol Channing. Oh, Lord. Uh, She's still kicking it, I think. Or no, I think she passed away. She died. I, she I, died I this recently, year. Like really this recently. Year. Yeah. Was it this year? I I'm think pretty sure Carol, Carol Channing passed away like yeah, really recently too. Carol. She died... <laughs> It's January fifteenth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, this year it was this year. I yeah. knew it was recent. So that was my that was my first. Ba-ba. Love that? it. It was yours. I also came through the music. Uh-huh. Yeah, but once again, it, it was through the whole album. It was through solos. So my oh. dad gave me a copy of Calm Wilkinson's 
album of Stage Heroes, which was his big oh, solo yeah. album where he sings all the Broadway hits. Oh, Calm. I love him. He's a good guy. He is. Uh, Calm, if you want to come on the podcast, let us know. We'll happily have you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, so he sings Maria and Somewhere on that album. So that's where the first two kind of big songs I knew. And then the funny thing is, I then learned I Feel Pretty because it's in the Adam Sandler comedy Anger Management, oh, no. where Jack Nicholson and, oh, and no. makes Adam Sandler sing the song to calm him down when he's having no, an he angry fit. came back fit. to Jack Nicholson. It's true. How he's back happen? again. Two episodes now of Jack Nicholson. <gasps> Never again. But that is actually okay. one of my favorite scenes of that whole movie. That movie's actually still pretty funny. But the whole thing of them being stuck on like the Manhattan Bridge oh, no. and Jack Nicholson making Adam Sandler sing I Feel Pretty as like people driving by yell like burn in hell at him. I feel charming, oh so charming. It's a running, how charming I feel. Move your ass, dipshit! And so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real. La 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 la. Burn in hell! It's one of my favorite moments. So Man. that's how I was first introduced to the music. Then I got to see the show, finally, when my friend's dad was one of the uh, dean, deans of visual arts at Sheridan. Because oh. Sheridan did, did the production of it. So oh, cool. we got to go. So they brought. So he brought me and his family to see the show. Oh, that's great. And it was there that during intermission, I actually had the ending spoiled for me. No. So, and, but my, it, it was a spoiler. I knew it was based on Romeo and Juliet. And I knew Romeo and Juliet because I'm a Shakespeare kid. So I knew that... Things like, weren't going to end well. Things, things were going to end well, and Tony and, and uh, Romeo and Juliet were both supposed to die. But my yes, yeah. Yeah, but my friend's sister said, oh, no, it's only Tony who dies. It's not Maria Spoiler. Anto. Spoiler. Once again, for a long-running musical. If you haven't seen it and we're waiting for this Spielberg version. <laughs> uh, go back and watch the original. Just go watch the original. With Rita Moreno and George Shakiris. With Shakira's. that spoiler. Yes. Intact. So... Having that spoiled, I think that's why the Anita scene has really stuck with me over the years is because not knowing what was going to happen to Anita. So that the moment yeah. as, as a kid who's like 13, 13 years old, and all of a sudden this moment where Anita is almost raped on stage and just yeah. the actual absolute venom that they're spitting at her the well, whole time. I think that's – and we got talking about this a little yeah. bit before we went, went live with this mm-hmm. is – what makes this way more um, tragic? Well, tragic, but uh, I think it's a more important work than Romeo and Juliet. Yes, yes, because Romeo and Juliet is really about petty familial war that we yes. never really understand. Yes, and everybody dies because it's like the messenger keeps dying off by the wayside. It's not because of any particular reason. But it's also class. Yes, like, if you look at it, it's like oh. Upper class people in yep. a squabble. Yep. Whoopee. Yep. Oh, Bringing the prince. in love. Yeah. These two teenagers yep. that go, oh, you're hot. Yeah, exactly. Let's get married and die. Yep. Like, it's like, okay. Exactly. And I know that's really a, a generalized <laughs> Watered down version of Romeo and Juliet. And I know that there's there's way more historical yes. significance, especially during the Elizabethan time. But Correct. What West Side Story, I think, gets right in yes. comparison is it changes the class. Yes. And it becomes about something societal. So yes. it's part it becomes part of our um 
communal memory yes. and is more tangible and is it makes it still relevant yes. whereas you have to reconceptualize from Correct. Juliet over yes. and over again. Yes. Uh, like they did in Hyde Park last year yes. instead of a football game. Really? Yep. Oh. Uh, that works. <laughs> to well just to to make it relevant. Yeah. And West Side Story, I don't think you need to do that. Mm, like no. I think it's I think there's something... It works. We're still having those problems with racism and yeah. cross cultures that just don't get along. Yeah. I mean like I mean guys And turf wars. Yes. We're still having yes. turf wars, but it's it's really a study in class. Yes. And why turf wars happen. Yes. And I think that's really interesting. Well, well they say it in, in the great scene in, in the uh, meeting before the rumble, where it's like, well, whose fault is it that started? Well, like, you jumped baby John today. Well, and, then, and Bernardo is, well, who jumped me the first day I moved here? So it gets... Yeah. And, and then the next question is, well, who asked you to move here? And it's that escalation of, 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 and, of who's at fault. Um, there are people, um, not to be named, who are still asking those questions. It's true. Which is... So unconceivable. Mm -hmm. I, you know, exactly. So there's there's that. Yes. So question to you: We're we're on a bit of a tangent here, but I think we're already in this. That was a good tangent. I think so. So so we're we're going to dive a little bit further. So my friends and I debated this. What do you think is more tragic? What happens to Anita with the jets in in the shop, where she's almost raped and it's and it's racism being being spewed at her nonstop? Yeah. Or is it the death of Tony? And him dying in Maria's arms. What do you think is the more tragic? Anita. Thank you. Anita, because she has to live with systemic racism every single day. Yes. And systemic misogyny. Exactly. And she, every day when she walks out, and she keeps living that. Yes. She doesn't, there is no ending to that. No. Tony's is like, oh, well. My first love died. <laughs> it's sad. The, the white guy died. Yeah. Um, I mean, right. I mean, it's sad for Maria because like her first love is gone. Yeah, but but, you know, but I'm sure she'll probably. I assume she'll probably find somebody else down the road. But for me, I think what's tragic about Anita is, and what makes it great in the, in the musical is, during the scene they replay America. Like the is America, America is the underscore. And so the whole thing of Anita at the top of the show is all about coming to America. And it's about hope. It's about hope. And the fact that by the end of that scene, she has regressed, not even regressed, she's been forced to the point of hating where she is in life, where I could see Anita getting on a boat and heading back to Puerto Rico. No, she hates Puerto Rico. terrifying. Exactly. Cause she just feel, cause what's happened to her is so awful that I don't know if she'd ever want to stay in America again or she want to go back to Puerto Rico just to be somewhere where she feels accepted and safe compared to well, walking the streets. That's, that's familiar. Yes. Right? Like she she took a risk. And in a She's way, the bravest character of the whole show going into that lion's den where she knows uh, as the well, so-called she has many wife. strikes against her. True. As as like as like the wife of of the of the former leader of the sharks, she yeah. knows she's going into the lion's den, and that um, it will probably won't end well for her. No, but it's her. 
and it's love in that moment but, of for Maria that makes it so tragic that ultimately she's the one who betrays Maria and sends Tony to his death because she's just she's being she's protecting herself she's protecting herself she has she, to and she's getting back she, she she's trying to reclaim some of that power that she's just lost in that moment with the Jets like that moment where she says don't touch me yeah oh yeah yeah that is such a powerful moment and just the way um like I, I wish I could have seen Cheetah Rivera do this scene because of course there's no recording for doing this scene but Rita Moreno when she does that on screen and it's just that moment and her intensity yeah. in that moment is just so powerful it's great that I just think that scene is the most tragic scene of the whole show and I know some people of disagree and go oh whatever. And, and go Maria's tragedy is more because she's now no. grown up and she now has hate in her heart it's like no no Anita has does she know or does she have love like I mean at the at the end she's she's still left with this idea of hope true it's true because she doesn't let the hate consume her and she doesn't go and crazy with the gun she has also been loved by the other side true because it's very validating yeah in a way true uh, Anita doesn't get that no. opportunity no. and it's funny we were I'm, I'm thinking about love songs yes and and as um you know a type yes America is a love song oh it is depending on which version you or do. an I want song yes oh it's most certainly an I want song but in the end it comes back and that's your reprise yes and it bites and her in the butt so oh, are we getting into favorite songs I think so but I have one more fun story to tell you okay. so after seeing it in Sheridan loving it Oh, Stratford yeah. did a few produc- did, did their production mm-hmm. on the festival stage, which mm-hmm. I loved. Oh, good. Oh, you didn't like it? I didn't see it. <gasps> it was so can't good. Judge. Oh, uh, on the thrust can't stage? Judge. I can't judge. <laughs> can't have any outside That's okay. perspective. That's okay. Like, for me, I'll tell you, that production was fantastic. On the thrust stage, mm. just the way it was choreographed. And Who was like, in that? Uh, Chalina Kennedy as Maria. Oh, well, there you go. You have Paul Nolan as oh, Tony. No. You had American actress Jennifer uh, Raz, Race Raz, don't know how to say it, okay. as Anita. And Kyle Galumba, he was in it as, oh, as like great. Diesel. That's the one person I do remember. But other than that, there's a lot of, I don't remember who played Riff or, or um, Bernardo. Okay. Um, but that, that production was just fantastic. But once again, the ending got ruined for me. So this time, we're watching it. We're, we're up in the balcony of the Festival Theater, which if you don't know the Festival Theater... But you've already seen it. I know. So it's, diff- so it's, it's a different type of having it ruined for me. So we're in the moment. We just saw this fantastic staging of the Anita scene. And all of a sudden, as you know, Maria comes out on stage after Tony's been yelling and screaming for Chino to come kill him. And so Maria shouts, Tony! There's the bang. And then all of a sudden, up in the balcony, somewhere in the back row in the far corner of the Festival Theater, all, all ears, No, Tony! This lady had gone so into the story that she just exclaimed this pain of seeing Tony get shot. But I swear every head in the balcony just did the classic turn right to this lady who was inconsolably sobbing in this moment. But it was like one of those things where it's like it just popped the bubble again. Because it's one of those things where it's like it's such a tragic moment. Then to have somebody who's so wrapped up in it then ruin it for everybody else. Gary Griffin directed it. That's it. Yeah, he was fantastic directing that show. That was such a fantastic production. Well, you also have, you know, two have? amazing leads. Yes. You also had um, Bruce Dow playing Officer Krupke oh, with yeah. Mike Nemajewski playing Gladhand. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it was a very good cast. Very strong show. Uh, but yeah, so that's oh, the other story uh, there. Who, who'd he play? He played Riff. Ah, very good. Actually, that was the one part of the show I wasn't a huge fan of, was the way they depicted the relationship between Tony... And Riff, hmm. because it came across as cold. 
I didn't feel the love between them at the time. I'm not sure. Well, it's just always going to have love. Well, it's the love. And then it's there, there's that great moment of the two of them before um, something's coming. We're like, they're wrestling with each other, right? And it's the say uncle. In yeah. It, it, it felt violent. It didn't feel brotherly. Like it didn't feel that type of. Same, well, same thing with Anita and Bernardo where like Bernardo was heading off to go to the war council. And they're having that dialogue moment before before they leave and America starts. Yeah. And it, it just kind of felt like classic, like, the woman should stay in their place. Like, don't talk. That type of moment. And he didn't feel the love mm. between them either. So those, those are the two minor things I mm. felt coming out where like, I didn't feel the hot passion of Anita and Bernardo. And I didn't feel the brotherly love between Riff and Tony. Riff and Tony. Which is very important because it, 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 it yeah. drives Tony to what he does at the end of Act 1 where he has to stab Bernardo. Yeah, no. But yeah, so that's so that's that story oh, there. Man. And then obviously seen the movie a number of times is one of my top five movies that if you're stuck on a, on a desert island, I would take that <laughs> Natalie Wood Rita Moreno movie with oh, me on a heartbeat. So good. Now did you know they actually told her they were gonna use her vocal track for the movie? And they didn't. Well, what happened was so they played they used her vocal track on set, so that's why Natalie looks so passionate. When she's yeah, singing. It looks like she's actually singing. Yeah. And then afterwards, because it was in the contract that they would listen to it and they would use it if necessary. And then if they felt it wasn't good, then ultimately they would get a replacement. Marty Nixon, the fantastic Marty Nixon. Yes. So ultimately at the end of the filming, they go, oh, sorry, Natalie, we're going to use this other lady. So, but they waited till the very end. And that's why they got such a great performance out of her vocally. Interesting. You can hear on YouTube, there are some clips of, of Natalie Wood's version of I Feel Pretty and Tonight. Oh. And it is interesting. It's um, it's kind of like what we get today with musicals uh, on screen. Where like once again, like Natalie Wood was an actor, not a singer. Yeah, she's, a, she's someone like an Amanda Seyfried who she they can sing, well, but it's not fantastic. So, what is your first song on the list tonight? Not on my list. Really? It's a song I love, but it's not. Okay, which one? Do you mean the tonight as uh, in the quintet or tonight as in the balcony? The balcony. Balcony. Okay, I love it. It's, it's the, passionate. Look at it's the sublime beginning. Yes. Only you. Yes. Every every thought I'll ever know anywhere yes. I go, and like that. Ah, I know. Just the the line of that, the musical line yes. of that, is pure magic. because I think one of the reasons why I didn't make my list does the top three is because I know Sondheim doesn't like tonight because he mm -hmm. finds the lyrics too purple as he calls it and by too purple he means because because Sondheim is known for writing for character that's his thing right yeah. like, and and the, and the way Maria and Tony talk especially Maria who's this person whose English is not their first language right. she's talking very poetically very eloquently and so, so like moons and suns and shooting stars 
are beautiful lyrics, but Sondheim always went, Bernstein, too purple, too purple. Like, we got to, like, tone it down. Like, that's why I feel pretty is a much more simpler dialect. So I, But right. I love if it. If you look at it, if you look at the purpleness of it. Oh, it's beautiful. I think the purpleness is great. It, but someone as English as a second language, they're hearing poetics. That's how they True. get their information. Good point. Didn't think right? about it that way. So, you know, and it's... The musical is based on Romeo and Juliet. True, Shakespeare. So it's gonna, it's gotta be high. It's gotta be high stakes love. Yep. Only and you, you feel the passion. Every thought I'll ever know, anywhere you'll yep. go, I'll be. Who does not want to hear those it's words? It's true. I mean, like to be honest, I'm surprised they don't start banging on the balcony. Like it's just so hot between the two of them. You can yeah, feel the sparks it's, coming it's, out. It's sparks, but it's 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 something bigger than that, which you true. don't get in R and J. True. The balcony like, seems kind of a bit drab and orange. It's way more grounded. Yes. In, it seems bigger. It's like they're. Oh, I think they're, that's the joy of having it as a musical versus a play, where yeah. on stage you can only say so much with words. Like Shakespeare can only go so long about talking in back and forth on a balcony. But in music, yeah. the music just heightens it. Like, 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 like after that first only you moment, and then you get that bum, 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 bum. Tonight, tonight, and that first yes. bump, 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 when you're heading into that, it's like that's the rocket taking off, and it's yeah. like at that point they're just soaring, they're soaring, and, and it's, it's just magic. Ugh. and it, they're there, and yes, it's big, and it's like they can solve the world's again. It's like yep. an Act One finale. It's true because it's so full of hope. Yes, and you go, oh my God, are these two going to solve the turf war? It's true. Could they do it? And technically, Could this love do it. Technically, they can't. Technically, they do because Tony says, "I'm off to the war council." Maria says, "No, war councils aren't good for us." And so Tony yeah. makes it a fair fight, which is where they should have stopped. So yeah, shooting stars, moons. It's a fantastic yeah, love tonight, ballad that tonight. that just blows everything. I out of the see water. my love tonight. Yes, I see my love tonight. Tonight there will and be the fact, no morning star. Exactly. The night will go on and on and on. Exactly. Beautiful. Oh, such a good love song, and I think, and I think, I think it's like number four or five on, on my list of things. Like I never skip it when it, no, when, when, no when, it, when, it when it comes to the album, but at the same time, there are three other songs that I just okay, go to what's further. Your first one, America. Oh, I love America. Another listing song in a way. It, it, it's it's a listing song. It's a patter song. Is yeah. It, it, did it make your list of top three? No. Nope. <gasps> Ooh. No, okay. Mine's weird. Mine's okay. A weird list. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So um, I'll tell you right now. Every time I hear it, it's an absolute delight. It makes me yeah. want to dance. Like I can tell you, uh, <laughs> last week I, I was I got moved from the go train to the TTC because of because of a fatality, and oh, I'm stuck yeah. at. I know, right? Morbid, awful. And bringing it right down back to an act <laughs> two serenade. <laughs> Um, so, oh, so, so now, so now, so now I'm stuck on the train. I'm going to be late for work and cause I got to now TTC from Downsview all the way to Union and then from Union over to exhibition to be different times. Um, so I'm stuck on the train, I, I stuck as a sardine and I'm listening to music to prayer for this podcast. I'm sure enough, the one song that comes on America <laughs> and right away, my mood just <laughs> perked right up. Like, and I couldn't help but tap my foot on, on the subway because 
the minute you hear the ba 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 you just want to dance. Like I like I've always said, if I could ever do any role in Westchester, it'd be Anita, just to have that moment with the purple skirt. I would pay to see it. I know what? No, I actually did do a cabaret version of it when I when I was in Stratford for the talent show. When I was at camp there, and it was a it brought the house down. Let me just say, it brought the house down with my rendition of West Side Stories, Anita. Oh, I love it. Um. And it's also interesting because the lyrics, you can get so deep into those lyrics because you can. both versions of the song are absolutely fantastic where the stage version, so, so now I'll get into the two different versions. So we have mm-hmm. the stage version, yeah. which originally was written for, for um, Bernardo and Anita. That's what originally Lawrence mm-hmm. told Sondheim and Bernstein to write, which is right. why Sondheim personally loves this version because it was the first version that he wrote. Right. And Jerome Robbins heard it. He went, great, awesome guys, but take out Bernardo. I want it to be an all-female dance number with just Anita and the girls because he wanted to do an all-female number. Because throughout sure. the rest of the show, there's no other point where you can have that moment. Like, like, like unfortunately, you can't have a dance break and I feel pretty. Oh, no. That would, that would be weird. Yeah, exactly. Because after the big rumble, you don't want to have them dancing no. in the dress shop. No. At the top of act two. No. Um, so this was the one moment he had and he wanted to have it as this moment. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, girl power moment, great. So once again, Sondheim had to go back and create this other mm-hmm. character, and he writes these new lyrics that I think are great in the sense of mm-hmm. they're fun, they're witty, and, it, and it's, it's definitely more of a character song where it's just two people back and forth having a fun piece of dialogue with each other and just oh, yeah. having that real, like, girlfriend, boyfriend, like, just, ha-ha, like, look at you, I'm going to rib you. And it's that great kind of, it makes it really a fun fluff Number of true happiness. It's the only true moment of happiness in the show. Everywhere else is just sad or there's some uh. impending doom. Like even tonight, which is a beautiful love ballad, is the doom of I have to go off to the war council. Yeah. Here it's just the girls on the roof having a fun debate with each other about is Puerto Rico better or is Nor- or, or is New York better? What's it going to be? It's a great debate. It is a great it's debate. Kind of a, Unfortunately, it's kind of a soliloquy as well. It is. Right? Unfortunately, it becomes a little bit racist towards Puerto Rico in the stage version, mm-hmm. where, where they talk about how about the fact there's no roads. When they did the film version, they finally got their wish and got to do the Anita Bernardo version. Yes, they did. Which is my that favorite version of it. Lots of new housing with more space. Lots of doors slamming in our face. I'll get the terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Because hmm. it, I think I, I I think it's better because it focuses on Bernardo, who is one of the main characters of the piece, who finally gets his, who finally gets a song. It isn't just yes. one of these guys who shows up in the war council and then dies. That's right. So there's a moment for him. There's a moment that builds the Anita Bernardo relationship. So when he dies at the end of Act One, <laughs> and you get the boy like that number in Act yes. Two, you truly feel why Anita is so hurt and betrayed by Maria that she's sleeping with the guy that just stabbed her lover and also Maria's brother. Yeah. So there's that great moment between them. And also it becomes less about Puerto Rico and insulting Puerto Rico and saying it's an awful country to, or place to be. And it becomes about the racism and anti-Semitism in America, where it's like, they have the great lines of like 12 in a room in America. They'll mm-hmm. give you a mortgage. Oh, but they can't because you got, because, because you better get rid of your accent. It's those great little moments um, and, oh, and it's still relevant. It's still relevant, most certainly. And it's the whole thing of like, there's the great dance move where like, where like, all, where like the girls are all having fun with their flipping their skirts and having a good time. And then, there, and then there's the guys who are mimicking being slapped in the face and kicked in the ass. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, 
yeah, you're singing about something funny or, or something fun where it's like la 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 America, but then slap slap kick kick. Well, and the girls are lifting their skirts. Yes. So they're both being objective. It's true. But mind you, those skirt flips and, and just the way the dresses move. They're great. It's fantastic. Like, <laughs> really like, like Jerome Robbins nailed that dance. But he got it. He did. Like he 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 understands movement the way Bernstein yes. understands composition. Yes. Like that's it's not time understands character where I Miranda Moreno said it best where she goes, Jerome Robbins choreographed for the character. Maria would 100%. never do those dance moves. Those dance moves are just for Anita to do. Because Anita is uh sultry, she is sexy, she is She's grounded. She's grounded, and she, and her dance she moves of her. She has lived an experience, right? Yes, She's, exactly. Uh, Maria's been sheltered. Right? Well, exactly. Whereas, well, 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 she says that the dance at the gym is the first time Maria's been out in public and in the evening. And she, in the she, movie she, version, it just starts with her being like this little wallflower, exactly, and standing in the middle of the room until she sees Tony. And exactly. Like, Bingo. Ta-da. So now the question to you, Autumn, is do you like the stage version with Anita and the Jet and the Shark Girls? Or do you like the Bernardo Anita version of America? I like them both. I love them both too, I but think... is there one that you go back to more often or or, or or one that you find just a stronger version of the song? No, I think they both have I think they both have their place. Yes. And for different reasons work mm-hmm. well. Yes. I, I don't have a preference. <laughs> I know you have a you're, preference. You're, you're pulling a true Canadian moment where we're going to go where we're going to go middle. So unlike me. See, I see, see I, I agree with that though cuz I think both versions have merit cuz I mean I think it's fantastic that there is a all female moment in the show. Well yeah, because we don't get that. We get all male, all male, yes. all male, all male and so many times the female perspective is diminished. True. To uh you know, it's it's the same with like, even look at Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Romeo has a band of boys, and yep. it's all the boys that are fighting. Yeah. Maria's know, got her nurse. Which is so... And, but Juliet is the balls of that piece. Yes, exactly. And Juliet is stuck with old nursey. <laughs> or nursey. We'll just call her nursey. And... And her like, mom. Her, the mom, who... Is very passive, <laughs> considering what well, happens to her. She's passive, but she's she's... She's kind of constrained I'm by, by society. Very political right now. Okay. I would call her the contemporary conservative woman. <laughs> like the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, without agency almost. Yes. Wanting to have agency, but yeah. without it. Yes. And jealous that her daughter has agency. Yes. Right? It's a very complex place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the choices that she would have to make to gain that agency. Yeah are astronomically huge. So yep. she's not willing to sacrifice that. Yep. I love it. Ba-ba-ba. I love it. <laughs> and okay. that's the political moment exactly. with Autumn Smith. <laughs> Come again. All right. Um, okay, second song. So you have I Have Tonight and you have America. Yeah, what's your next one? Are you ready for yeah. this? The Dance at the Gym. <gasps> oh, so I didn't any of the dances. I did. And... Because it really is Bernstein at his Oh, it is. And it is the piece that ties it all together. It's true. That moment at the gym. It's instrumental bliss. Yes. bliss. And, you know, it's it's amazing how he distinguishes class and race and everything within the soundscape of it. Yep. He has, like, these trumpet blasts, which are kind of 
petulant and awkward, yes. bombastic, you know, symbolizing mm -hmm. the boredom and the bullying of the Jets. Yes. And pissy. Yes. I call it pissy and immature. Yeah. And there's a, an element of performativity that is very evident, especially in the film version. Oh, yeah. Of Robin's... Um, well, that was one of the few things he actually got to film and choreograph. Right. So, but it's, it's evidence. Yes. Like you can tell it's Robin's choreography. Oh yeah. And it's just it's so it matches perfectly. Yes. With the music and you know this kind of idea of juvenile masculinity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Now, to be fair, uh, choreography-wise, Robbins had an assistant who did all the shark choreography. So Robbins actually didn't choreograph both. And I'm finding the name of the person right now. Which is which is good to know because the mambo portion of it, the sharks portion of it. Yes, the march of the sharks, the bum 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 bum. Yeah, it's the the body language within it is you have like this bombastic jet. Versus this very subtle. It's almost as if Bob Fosse did the sharks. Oh, most certainly. Like it's very subtle. It's like well, it's a all hip. shoulder yes. roll, a, a little shoulder roll yeah. here, a little, a little turn of the head. Yeah. And then you know. Well, the just the comes soaring in. Partners. Yes. The dance partner bit with the game is just the mastering of the opposite. Right? Yes. Um, you know, it's the child instrumentation. Mm -hmm. ba -da -da -ba 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 -ba. Oh, I right? love that. And the stakes are so high. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can feel climbing. the you can feel the added energy between the two of them. Okay, yeah. I found and the name of of his co um, uh, choreographer, and it was his name is Peter Gennaro. Oh. And he and he's the one who choreographed all the shark stuff. Well, way to go, because, Petey. Because he Peter was in one room doing the shark dance. So good. And. Robbins was with the Jets in the other room doing the doing the Jets. And what's interesting is with the dancing okay. is the Jets are always shooting up and out mm -hmm. while the like sharks jets. are like Jets, while the sharks are always to the ground, low, low like a shark. Yeah. And the two of them clash on, on the dance floor mm -hmm. where you got the sharks going low, where you have, where there's a few moments of bursting up, like, like, like when they pick a knee up on, onto uh, Bernardo's shoulder mm -hmm. and then it's right back down again. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. it, and it's and it's and it's fan kick out and it's sharp meanwhile while you got riff doing all these flips and jumps and oh yeah, yeah oh yeah showing off for everybody it's, it's i think like the intent behind it is just like this well it's visceral it's primal face, in I, your face kind of oh it is petulance. it is it's i mean i mean anita says it great where like maria says anita why do they fight 
And Anita then says, well, you saw how they dance. It's like they have to get something out. And that dance is exactly them. It's them in neutral territory because they say the gym is yeah. neutral, but it's them still fighting for who's Excavation. got the upper hand yeah. uh, in, in this dance. It's a turf war. It is. It's a turf war the dance floor. Is a, a turf it's true. War, right? I mean, I mean, look at Farmer and the Cowman. That's another great... Keep going back to the Farmer and the Cowman. I love that song. We're definitely going to talk about it. that because that's, not, that's, that's, that's like the oh, precursor to the, to the dance at the gym. It's these two warring fractions that got to come together true. in a moment. The Farmer and the Cowman. They have to be friends. The farmer and the Cowman. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So dance um, at the gym. And then the dance at the gym. And then that moment. Do, 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 do. Oh, the cha-cha? The snapping. Yes. The snapping. And there's just like these moments of suspension mm -hmm. where the music just pauses. Yes. And then it's just... Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah, that cha-cha moment of the two lovers finally coming together. And, and, and just, just the two, and there's a few people in the background, just the... You're right, the little the quiet little snap. It's genius. And it's so innocent because it's once again it's that touching, not touching. Because as an audience, we're like, okay, just and it's together. Flutes. It's flutes and yes. strings. Exactly. Whereas, you know, you got the Jets with their, like, big bombastic yes. trumpets, you know? And the mambo percussion. Yeah. It. And this is, it's angel, it's angelic. Oh, so good. It's so good. It's, he crafted a symphony. Yes. Exactly. Which is what sets West Side Story apart. I agree. Is, is that composition, uh, it needed something epic. Yeah. And, and symphonic. And yes. And they did that. Exactly. I completely so, um, agree. Uh, so number yeah. two for you, Dance at the Gym. Dance at the Gym. Love it. Shocker. <laughs> I actually, that did shock me because I, because I almost pleaded, but I was like, it's a dance number. So, uh, but I love okay. it. Okay. So my number two is G Officer Krupke. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. I, I actually have this as, as my audition song, as my up-tempo, where I do a one-man version of, <laughs> of G Officer Krupke. Oh, and it's fantastic. Once again, it's this vaudevillian, very American number, which which totally fits the sh the Jets yeah. of all people. But at the same time, it's complex. On one level, you have the Jets being funny and mocking the various authority figures they meet in their life. But mm. at the same time, you get deeper into it, and it's a dark subject of these guys who have a country, but no home. They're neglected. They're unwanted. Like as I say, keep off the playground, keep off of the grass, get out of the house. There are these guys who have who have been forced together because they got nowhere else to be. They're they're each other's families. They're each other's it's families. The are. It is. It is. And In so the, it's, so there's these poor guys being shunted around, and it all accumulates with this rumble between these two gangs, and then they have to get this out somehow. And like in many situations where it's dark, what like one of the things we do is we uncomfortably laugh. So it's that thing of like. How do we get it out? Because we're so intense right now. We got this bent up anxiousness. So the one thing we got to do is we, is we got to let it out in some way, and it comes out as this dark comedic song. She happens to grumpy. We're very upset. We never had the love that every child ought to get. We ain't no delinquents. We're misunderstood. 
of the show where it's like, it's funny to watch the Jets pounce around on stage where it's like, we are good, we are good, we are so, so good. But it's like, no, 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 like, uh, 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 the, trouble is, the trouble is he's lazy, the trouble is he stinks, the trouble is he's crazy, the trouble is he drinks, the trouble is he's growing, the trouble is he's grown, the trouble is crappy, we got troubles of our own. And there's so many other great lines, like, hold on, let me grab my well, book of Sondheim know, lyrics, that there's some beautiful cut. It is, it is good. It is, it is. Cut moments from it. the song. It would be the one song I'd be like, eh. But Are you serious? I oh, know. I have one coming up that, that's like that. But, but... I actually agree with you. I just don't think it's ever done properly. Well, it's, it's because it's not played. Because it's not played as dark. No, I, I, it has I, to be dark. Like I saw one high know. school production on YouTube where the ending of that final um, moment of G Officer Krupke, we're down on our knees because no one wants a fellow with a social disease. G Officer Krupke, what are we going to do? G Officer Krupke, Krupp you. But it was played as dark where, where action after after that last hit that somebody gives him with the fake baton of the yeah. trouble is he's lazy moment and he just grabs it and snaps the baton and just says stop and then he goes yeah. and then it's that moment of just looking out at the audience and it's that mood lighting then sets in of just so low in the moment well it's so interesting what it presents even though it's an 11 o'clock number yes. which is 11 o'clock numbers are interesting because mm-hmm. there's always kind of an well, well, there's an undertone to it. It's not just the big show number. It's no, there's a there's kind of a, a it's huge struggle. Yes. Right? Well, well, it's that moment of revelation where the jet. Where in this case, the Jets are realizing they just don't. We fit. can't win. We can't win. We can't. Which is why, like in the moment in the in the candy shop, where after they've ripped Danita and Doc says, "Why do you do this? Like, why do you make the world such a lousy place?" And Action's line is, "We didn't make it, Doc." Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if they're they're yeah. in constant protest, which I also mm-hmm. think is very relevant. Yes, and it's, it's so how true. they get their voices heard in the world. It's true, right? Exactly. And, well, once, once again, it's Doc saying, "Why do you fight? Like, couldn't you just play basketball? Like when I was a kid, we just did this." And then actually says, "When you were a kid, you it was never my age. You were never what I had to go through. Because it's changed. We're fighting now for yeah. turf because we have people coming in who." are, as I said, they're clogging up the air. They're taking over the little spot we had, this little piece of a playground. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's other great lyrics here. So I'll read a great example of a, of a cut lyric. So this is an action supposed to be talking to the psychiatrist. Oh, I know. So, it was, so the alternative lyric was, I, I'm, sensitive, I'm sensitive by nature. I'm delicate and shy. When people say, I hate you, I, I always start to cry. I'm ever so artistic and orchid in a slum. Goodness gracious, that's why I'm a bum. An orchid in a slum. I love that lyric. Oh my god, that's heartbreaking. Yes, which is why I, which is why I think it's funny ah. with the lyric they did choose, which is. My father is a bastard. My ma's an sob. My grandpa's always plastered. My grandma pushes tea. My sister wears a mustache. My brother wears a dress. Goodness gracious, that's why I'm a mess. I think that other lyric they cut is better. Is better. Well, that one's more obvious. That one's more the, obvious. The latter one there is more obvious. Yes. It's like, oh, it's a little pandering to the audience. It's true. Like, exactly. this is what we want you to get. Exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd change it to the original. I know. The, <laughs> the slum and the orchid? Yeah, the orchid and the slum. slum? Is like, oh, it's such think, a beautiful line. Think about that. Yes. But think how relevant that is to so many people. Kids today. Yes. And 
what is their trajectory? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Well, they're just stuck heart, in this. Room. Yes. Heart we're like, we're, 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 somebody says, I hate you. And, 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 and I start to cry. And it's like, and, it, and it's like, I'm artistic, but I'm not supposed to be artistic and sensitive. I got to be tough. I'm, I'm, I'm this delicate flower in this indelicate world. Yeah. So yeah, it's beautiful. So. Orchid at a slum. Right? Ugh. I love it. Um, so fun thing about this number is it's had a few different places in the show, as you know. As I do know. So in the Broadway show, it takes place in Act 2. Yes. After I Feel Pretty and the mm-hmm. Somewhere Ballet, once again, a very intense moment of the show like where, of where it's that brief moment of relief, comedic dark relief. Uh, so Sondheim always hated that Jobs Scruffy came in Act 2 because he always felt kids on the run after being accomplices to murder would never sing a comedic pavilion number. They would sing the other number the Jets sing, which is Cool. Yeah. And originally in the production, Cool was in Act 1 because the Robbins, Lawrence, and everybody felt that they needed a comedic moment in Act 2 to really... Right, to lighten it. To lighten it. Because in 1957, nobody had seen a show like this before. So they were worried people were oh, going to be too... sitting there going, oh my God. Yeah, like this just one happen? dark thing after another dark thing. So yeah. I personally love Jobs or Krupke in Act 2 compared to at the top of the show. Because the song, once again, it's not time writing for character. He wrote this song for action. Who is like the yeah. wire, like wire brain, ADHD, like personified, ready to rumble action guy. And so this action. song, yeah, this hence song is name. It, it's hence his name. And this song is action. Like it is, we're gonna it jump is. from one person to the next person to the next person, and it's gonna be this, this, and this, and this, and it's gonna be a list of this, and it's a fast-paced song. Yeah. Well, Riff, on the other hand, is always written in the show as this calm, cool, like the leader. So mm-hmm. cool is his song. Yeah. So in the movie, when they flipped it to where Riff now gets to sing Joffrey Krupke and in the new character they created called Ice gets to sing Cool. But for me, I always go, the song fits better in Act Two. It's a it's a character song for action and it, yeah. it fits him versus a riff. Which is why mm-hmm. I think it, it which is why I think I, I always say it, it should have been in Act Two. So I hope when they do the new movie versus Spielberg. They keep that song where it is in, in Act Two. In Act Two, and they I don't move it. You. It also at the beginning, it's like, yep. oh, we're giving you an excuse for our behavior off the top of the show. Yep. So don't hate us. Exactly. Where when it when it gets to that point in Act Two, it's like, oh, well, how are they going to rationalize what they're doing? Yes. And then there's that moment where they go, well, look at what's happened to us. Exactly. And it's going to perpetuate. Yeah. And that's that moment. Instead of making another choice. It's almost an invitation. Yes. To make another choice. Yes. And they don't. Exactly. And what does that say about the system? Yes. I love it. I love it too. And I, and I think once again, it's that, actually, I just said it's that last moment. I'm glad. Cause that's, it's, it's one of my favorite songs of the show. And it's one of those things where I just go, and you're right. It's that last moment of, Hey, like us, because the next moment that we have coming in the show with the jets is, the candy store scene with Anita where they yeah. attempt to rape her. And it's that moment of, yeah. it, it's that last bit of venom they had in them from the rumble that they somewhat got out in Jeff's or Krupke and then it doesn't get all out so they have to take it out on Anita in, in, in the candy store scene. Um, but yeah. We, it's, almost like, it's almost saying, like, look at this. Yeah. Look at who we are. Exactly. It's not just us. Yes. This is a way bigger problem. Yes. This is what we're going to do to prove it to you. Exactly. Exactly, like us. Oh, a the, vile act of misogyny. It's true. And violence. Exactly. 
And it's one of the things that it's, it's almost like that line in Shakespeare where Shylock says, the villainy you teach me, I will enact upon you. And I'm going to spoon feed it back to you. Exactly. Which is, which is interesting that it comes right before that moment. Yes. It, it implicates us as the audience. Exactly. Where it's like, hey. We're smart. Exactly. Well, exactly. Because we're all going to laugh at the Jets doing this funny number, but it's like, no, no, no. It's like, what they're saying is, is, is they're setting you up for like what they're going to do to Anita later, where it's like, if we're going to be the lazy, slobbish, stinky guys you want us to be, mm-hmm. so be it. We'll be, we'll be the monster. No, we'll be the, we'll be the orchid in the slum. Exactly. Don't you worry. I love it. So yeah, that's my choice of Jobster Krupke. Oh, that's a good one. Thank okay. you. All right. What's okay. your number three choice? You're going to hate me. Oh no. One hand, one heart. Okay, that's that was like number one on my cut song list that I skipped. Oh. I I love the song since it's a beautiful moment, it of, is a beautiful moment. Uh, of love, but I'm like I'm like I already got that with the cha-cha. I've already gotten that with with tonight, I know, I and know. and the it's fact so pretty. Uh, well, the fact <laughs> this song came from Kunaganda and Candide, if that's yes. where that come from, and I think it's just because Bernstein really wanted to use this song somewhere, probably, and they, and they try using the balcony didn't work. So it's like okay, we'll create a whole other scene in the dress shop. But it's like, I'll let you say what you like about it first before I start bashing it, because... I... Look it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the melody. <laughs> the I'm quarter gonna... song? The, the quarter note song, as Stone uh, Time calls it? Yeah. That he had to beg Bernstein to give him an eighth note just to shake it up a little bit? I know. I know. <laughs> but it's so pretty. I know it is. Make of And it's simple. Yes. What I love about it is its simplicity. Mm -hmm. And it, like, you can't get more simple than make of our hands one hand, make of our hearts one heart. Yep. Make of our vows one last vow. Yep. Only death will part us now. I mean, it's a bit foreshadowing. Yes. It's a bit in your face. It's true. But it is the one song that really brings it back to the fact that this was based on Romeo and Juliet. True. It's simple. It's innocent. Yes. It's like... This is where they are teenagers. Yes. So that's everything else. It's a little too complicated for them mm-hmm. to be teenagers. But yep. this is them going. Oh, well, I this really is love you, and this is great. Well, this is the moment where you go. This is not just puppy love for them. No. Like this is love that transcends that high school crush love. This is passion. Like you could it's see like these love people at first sight. Yeah, like these. Yeah. This is love. You could see them going off and like going off and marrying out in the country and getting away from this. Like this is like true love as they say in princess bride. Um, Where is it going? Right. And it's it's also the moment where it's the one thing you don't see in Romeo and Juliet, which is the wedding scene. It's their faux wedding scene in the dress shop. And it's something where it's like, you finally get to see that moment. And it's that moment of potential and I love it. And the light. Yes. The way it's done in the film is so I know. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. And the last line, even death won't part us Yes, now, which is so hopeful (laughs) 
tragic and foreshadowing. Tragic <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> but the fact that they they feel that their love can overcome. Yeah. Oh. Right? Oh. Okay, now I'm going to say what I don't like about it. Okay. It's too slow. And by this point, we've been driving towards the rumble. I know. I know. And it's like, we've just had Cool, which on the stage is great. But once again, it's a slow, jazzy, dancey number. We're just going to talk yeah. about Cool later. Um, That's your next one. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> You'll see. Um, but so you have that moment. And then you have America. And you have the tonight, and you have the in the rumble, and you have the war council where the, it's all being set up. Yeah. And, and at that point, this... you, yeah, at, at that point, it comes to a grinding halt. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we get you guys are in love. Like I, I, I remember the guy who played Tony in the movie. He goes, I got so sad, tired of playing Tony because all he says throughout the whole damn show is, "Gee, Doc, I'm in love." And it's like that's true. Okay, we get it. We, it's, it's, that's exactly dun, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's like like I, I love the scene itself where Tony meets Maria in the dress shop. Yes. And they have that moment of Maria saying, "No, no, you have to go to the Rumble and stop it because that's important plot." And in fact, Anita is there too, and she gets and she gives them permission, yeah, to meet as well. And it's one of those things of like, "Ooh, Anita's actually not like Bernardo, where she's going to turn everything away." Anita's kind of open to a moment with the with the Jets, and and the, and then all of a sudden you get into <laughs> which ends horribly for her again. That that scene in the candy store, coming back to that scene again, um, but then you get into this slow quarter note love song where it's like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like Look for me, I, I would just cut it and go straight to the rumble. Like after, like it. after Maria says, go stop the rumble. And Tony says, okay, I'm off. It's like, okay, I'll see you later, honey. Out. And then it's like, bum, 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 bum. like, and then you're right into the rumble because that's what you're trying to get to. And this I show know. is a long show. Like, like it's not a short show. It's a, it's a two plus hour. I know it's so pretty. Once again, that's where I go. But it's where we where we come back to Bernstein. True, and what what makes him great kind of music he writes. Well, well, he it's he was wondering. Yes, operatic, yes, right. And the harmonies are delicious. Oh, it is. But I agree. It's a little. It's a little. Yeah. It's like, come on, people, move it along, move it along, move it along. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I I think it's beautiful. But at the same time, I go as a director in my mind, I would go. We're cutting this song, people. I love it. Yeah. We'll sing it at the finale. Or just, just speed it up. Yeah. Da, 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 da. There you right. go. Just, I like that. If you make yeah. it a little bit faster. Make it a little bit faster. I love it. Put into eighth note. <laughs> so, so far, your top three have been uh, Dance at the Gym. Tonight. Tonight and One Hand, One Hand Heart. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, all three feature... Funny, all three feature Tony and Maria in some way. I know. Well, I mine know. have all featured all supporting characters. I know, and I love supporting characters. Yeah. This is very unlike me. <laughs> but I think I'm. I think I love their journey because it's so more. It's it's so deeper in its complications. Yes. Than Romeo and Juliet. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay, now can you guess what my third cool. one? Cool. No. 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 What is it? A Boy Like That and I Have a Love. Oh, yeah. It isn't true, not for me. It's true for you, not for me. I hear your words and in my head. I know this thought, but my heart needs But my heart A boy like that is a younger brother. Forget that boy, just to find another. What are you Okay. 
going to choose that. I, have I to say. this song is so beautiful. And, it is. and according to my research, it's the first conflict duet in it. musical theater where unlike regular duets, which we see in Oklahoma in Showboat, where if you're gonna sing a duet, it's gonna be about the same topic, it's gonna to be about sharing the same point of view. Yes. This, on the other hand, is, is we are viscerally on the opposite ends of the spectrum here, where Anita is angry and upset, and you got Maria going, I love him, I love him, I love him. And, it, and, the, mm. and, just, and the fact it's two women singing. Yes. It, it, it's a rare moment where it's two females singing on stage, and it's not about loving a guy. It's about love in general. It, 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 unfortunately, it doesn't pass the Bechtel test because they're talking about a guy. Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, it's not just about Tony in the sense of Tony being Tony. It's it's bigger than that. Their it's love bigger. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that, and it's the whole thing of it transcends yes, one person. Yes, because it's such a beautiful moment, and, I, and the moment at the end where Anita and Maria finally sing together and they harmonize beautifully. And it's in the line of when love comes so strong, there is no right or wrong. Your love is your life. In that moment of just, and it's that moment that once again then propels Anita to her ultimate fate. In yes. the candy shop, because she comes, because she finds that inner power again that she lost um, to then go forward in life. And then it gets yeah. away, and, then, and then it gets taken away from her again. Um, but it's also even great because in the uh, uh, revival that you talked about, where they sing it in Spanish, this was one of the few songs that Anita sings in Spanish. I know, and it's even better than it is in English because yes. because it shows that complete regression from all about America and English and being here, and and she's going right back to that primal heart of her, Into which that is that original yes. voice, her original home. Yes, because she has no other way of expressing that. Yeah pain in English. She has to express it in her native tongue. So it's, it's not only heightened in music, it's heightened but in, in language. Ese cabrón mató tu hermano Olvida ese americano Piensan los tuyos Solo los tuyos And I feel so bad for Karen Olivo, who won the Tony for Anita. But apparently audiences were getting mad because they come to see the show and they can't understand. Who cares about So they actually audiences. changed it back to the original li English lyrics. Ugh, but I'm so mad. audiences for that reason. Right? We are not here to dumb things down for you. No. Go on the journey. Yes. Pay your money. Go on the journey. Yes. Cause, Be curious about it. Yes. Because, I mean. Ugh, cause, I mean so frustrating. Because, I mean, you get what Anita's saying without ever having to understand what she's saying if she's speaking in Spanish. Like, you can feel that pain and anger that she's yes. talking about Tony. And, and she even says Americano. So it's like, okay, we know what you're, we're talking about Americans right there. So it's that's, not even that. It's a lived thing. Yes. Oh that, oh, that drives me nuts. Right? That drives me nuts. Yes. But yeah, I love this oh. song with all my heart. It is, yeah. it is a okay. song that, like... Yeah, I agree. I agree. I guarantee you, it would probably be number four on this list. <laughs> I, why did I choose that? Because you love a good love song, and I don't blame you. 
Well, it's it's you know what? I'm a sucker for awesome melodies. With, yes. Uh, awesome and, harmonies. And this one isn't a, this one isn't a mel- this yeah. one doesn't have a melody. No, but it's it's a good like it's a it's an excavation song. Yes. I can't believe I didn't choose this. I'm an excavator. What is wrong with me? I'm going soft. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I'm like, going... once again, you get into, once again, this, this Sondheim lyrics came first. Yeah. So, person had to write something, and unfortunately, Sondheim's lyrics don't lend themselves to a melody where... It, no, they don't. No, they don't. Because, <laughs> once again, he's speaking, it's a monologue. Like, you could take the music yeah. out and have a need to say, a boy like that who kill your brother. Forget that boy and find another. One of your own kind. Stick to your own kind. Right now there. try it without doing it in rhythm. Oh my goodness. Ah. That was something that would be tough. That's great. It's such a good exercise, though. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do that with students all the time. Really? Yeah. Say it as text. Say it as a piece. Say it yes. as a monologue. Go. Exactly. Inevitably, they always go back to saying it in rhythm. Well, you I'm have, because like, no. it's written in rhythm, and it's they like, and you've heard it that way. Okay. Yes. Cheating. <laughs> Cheating. Okay. So. You've already heard one of my top three songs I either skip or don't like in the show, yes. which is One Hand, One Heart. Now, yes. uh, let's get into the songs we like to skip or would cut as a director. Uh, Once again, saying that this is nothing against these songs. I'm sure people love, there's some, some people who love these songs, and the writers wrote it for a reason, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not, nothing to bash the creators. So, Autumn, what is your first one on the list? What is it? Somewhere. <gasps> Really? Yeah. yeah, I don't need to know that there's a place for you. Oh, I love that song. Somewhere. A place it, for us. I know can go. <laughs> I don't need it. I, I don't. Oh, no, I love that song. It, I just feel like it's spoon-feeding. Mm, it, it is very spoon-feeding. Once again, it came from Bernstein, where he had this beautiful melody from Candy that I, he had to use somewhere else. Oh, and, Candy. And Sondheim actually, and I sometimes actually got angry because the highest note of the melody is there's a... Uh, so 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 he called it called the ah song because uh, it, uh, exactly because song time I'm with you it's not uh song. like I like it better in the film version where it's Tony Maria singing it to each other in a moment of coming together after Bernardo Riff's death. I don't like it on stage because, once again, it comes from the... I think it's because it's the ballet that comes out. Because, once again, it come, feels like uh, like Oklahoma's ballet. Like all those early Broadway shows where they felt they had to have a ballet a number. A ballet. A ballet number. And they, once again, but like... But they have a ballet. They it's do. It's the Dance at the Gym. They have the Dance at the Gym. They have the Rumble. They have the Prologue. They have three it's different ballet. ballets. There's so much dancing in the show. It's I true. don't need a ballet. No, I think, I, I, I think just having the two of them sing it to each other. Because, once again, it comes back at the end. Where, where, where the two of them are dying in each other's arms. I know. It's just a little bit like an epilogue that, like, <laughs> did you get it? Hello, McFly. Are you with me? Here's the moral of our story. There's a place for us. Like Somewhere. I, like, I would love to use that as, like, a, a as like part of, like, an inaugural address as from, like, a prime minister or a president where, like, 
coming together after a divided time in the but country. But it's lies. It's just lies. Oh, I know. But it, but that's okay. So oh, so is Don't Cry From Your Argentina. I know. But that's a way better song. Because <laughs> it's meant to be a lie. This song yeah, is... The, well, like this yeah. song, we'll talk about Don't Cry From Me in a we'll bit. We'll get there. That's that song. Uh, Ava Peron. Exactly. But yeah, so... Foreshadowing future episodes. <laughs> So yeah, there we go. So somewhere's somewhere. my first one. Somewhere's facing the chopping block. Gone. All right. So my <laughs> so my first choice is the jet song. See, I don't like it because once again, I'm all about efficiency on stage. I I, I, yeah. I don't like fluff. And the prologue is fantastic. It sets yeah. up the sharks and the jets, and it sets up the internal brothership of the shark of the jets completely. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you have this moment where like we gotta sing about uh, 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 about our brotherhood and it's like you don't need that like basically all you need to do is set up hey we're gonna go set up a turf war with them riff is off to go get tony to get his buddy back away we go we don't need to hear about how the jets are on top of the world we've already established that in the dance of the prologue i know i think we missed an opportunity i think i think what romeo and juliet got wrong mm-hmm. was that it was really one-sided towards yes um romeo yes yeah, yeah romeo's side <laughs> where West Side Story could have been really one-sided uh, rectified that true it would be great to have this as from the but shark's perspective again it's not have a shark by song. La- um, Latino people no right so already it has a bias on it it's true and then you get this jet song you're like yeah. well when you're a jet you're a jet all the way yep yeah we're the best exactly well where the sharks go and everyone's going mm, gross people yep like, we don't get enough of the sharks. Well, that's exactly it. Like, especially once we get into Act Frustrating. 2, where we get a song with the Jets, and we see the Jets trying to regroup afterwards. We know, we never actually see the scene where Chino gets his gun and says, I'm going to go off and kill Tony. No, we don't, we don't get know. any of that. No, and it's one of those lost parts of the show where it's like, obviously one side was going to get hurt by simply not having enough time on stage or else it'd be a four-hour show. But I think it'd be interesting if you rewrote the Jet song as a shark song, had it as the shark song. Well, it would totally shift the dynamic because True. what what they have done is they've set up the Jets as the dominant yes. masculine force. True. And then with the Sharks, it becomes more feminized. True. Because A, you get Anita. most of the female narrative. Yeah. And it's the, the lives are lived primarily True. through Anita and Maria. True. So <clears throat> you get the uh, weaker, yeah. supposedly weaker. Yeah feminized uh-huh. uh, Latino version. True. And it's evident even their dance. That's why they went with an all-female dance number. Shark girl number. Uh-huh. Rather than right, 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 the, the boys. Yes, yeah, true, because the Jets only have the two females. Velma yeah. and... You, don't, you, you, you and never want to take a lesser party and make them seem equal to no, you. No, exactly. By all means. And it's interesting uh, that the show was written yes. by white men, Jewish mainly. Yeah. And I think... I, I, I think I think Hal Pritz is the only one out of that entire group who's not gay. Three, so three fourths is written by white men who are either in the closet at the time or were out publicly. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole thing of they're gonna like it's interesting that they wrote such a great show about outsiders, even though they knew, they they had nothing to know about the Spanish side of things at all, besides seeing a few people in the street. But the fact they were still able to mm-hmm. capture something that is universally outside. Right now, we would call that appropriation. True. And the likes of Robert Lepage are, are getting their hands slapped. <laughs> that. 
So maybe when we get into the next part of our conversation, yes. we can talk about that. Oh, yes. I think so. Okay, so that's the Jet Song. Jet Song, number one on the chopping block for yeah, redundancy, and it could go. Okay. What's number two for you? Well... Oh, I can see you thinking. Look at... I, this, these ones are hard for me. Because oh, I, I know. think every song is important. It is. It is. Well, there's a reason why they're well, in the show. I'm thinking one hand, one heart, but we've already discussed that one <laughs> ad nauseum. If I were to get rid of something else... Well, well okay, it's, it's not even getting rid of it, it's... What song do you come back to least? Like what? Like what song? If you're listening in the car, would you want to skip? You just go straight to the next song. Well, I'd skip a lot of these. <laughs> to be I'm like, okay, I'd I'd always just go to the dance of the gym because yeah. the music is so amazing. So something's coming. Um, is that one that's on the chopping block? Yes, <laughs> the Tony song. That one almost made my list. There, there, there were two others that made. Could be. Who yeah. knows? Okay. Well. That was right. actually the last song Bernstein and Sondheim wrote, which is why Sondheim likes it the most, was because he felt his lyrics were the strongest in that song. I mean, I think they are. Yeah. Um, it, it really sets him up for a struggle. Is yeah. something coming? Yes. Am I reading into this? You know, but it's always done really schmaltzy. Like, well, once again, it's playing him as like the, oh, gee, oh, shucks, I'm the good oh, guy trying to get out of the slum. I'm just, I'm, yeah, it's a little bit like, they play him, um, it's, it's Seymour. Yes, yeah, Seymour and very vanilla. The song makes, the song can, uh, the song can make Tony very vanilla. Compared, yes. Which is, why I, which is why I don't think he gets a lot of credit and love from audience members. Well, compared to somebody boring. like a Maria. It's very, it, like, he's falling It's generic into... white guy. <laughs> Generic, but generic white guy in love. Like, yes. he's so Romeo. And Romeo is so boring. It's true. I hate Romeo. <laughs> Everybody does. Juliet is far more interesting. Same thing with Maria. Maria is far more interesting of a figure. But he doesn't need to be. Like, no. why can't we complicate him? Yes. I think it's because... I, 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 I'm not sure if the writers ever fully got Tony. I, 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 no, no I, one ever gets, I don't think anyone gets Romeo. I think everybody, I, I think the writers just went, we need, we need a Romeo type. Okay, Romeo's got a moment in the show where he's going to monologue about his lost love, no. Rosalind. Great. Okay, so Tony's going to have a moment with Riff, and, and he's going to have a moment of, we're going to set him up for something that's coming just around the bend. And it's like, yeah, that's one of those songs where, like, I always skip it. because I'm like, like, way to set up a musical. Yeah. Hey, guys, look what's happening. Exactly. I mean, I guess it's an I Want song in a way, but... Um, I don't know. Blah. I agree. Blah. There's way better, like, mm. I agree with you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I feel really validated now. <laughs> Yay, okay. by the white guy in the room. <laughs> in the room. That's okay. What's your next one? Cool. Oh, yeah. I, Again. It's a Jet song. Another and, one. And for me, I go, it's great on stage, where the dance is fantastic, because it's the Jerome Rome's choreography, and it's so tight. Yeah. And it's fun it's to watch. Taut. It's a tautness, and it's just it. watching those guys because the precision it takes to do that song. Because mm -hmm. the music is so complicated. This person wrote such great orchestration. Wow. But when you listen to it, I just go, I just hear a lot of snapping and a lot of buzz, and, and, it's, and it's just one long dance. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, just, it's just one long dance. Cool, baby John. 
And for me, I go, there's enough dance in the show. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it doesn't throw me like, if I'm watching it on film or on stage, it, 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 it piques my interest because I'm always interested in how they do the dance. But besides that, it's a very slow kind of boy, boy, crazy boy, say loose boy. But no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ugh. I, I guess, I, I once again, it's that great, it captures the character moment of Riff where it's like, the Jets are just that dog on a leash. And the minute their leader dies, now let the dog off the leash and we see what happens. So for me, I just go, that. And so, yeah. I mean, but I think on stage, it's an interesting number, but listening to it, it's one I'll skip in a heartbeat. So yeah, yeah. cool. All right, what is your last one of the list? Because <laughs> mine, cause, cause mine was one hand, one heart, and we already covered that one. We did. I mean... Is it I Feel Pretty? Oh, I hate that one. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Like, looking at this, there are a lot of songs I would just be like, cut. Let's do the instrumental. Let's throw some great text in there. Yep. Like, I Feel Pretty. I Feel Pretty. Yeah. It's so... Oh. Well, it's once again, it's it's guys trying to write for girls. Yeah, again. (laughs) It's, It's men trying to write for women thinking like, Men writing a rom-com where it's like, oh, look. But if you looked at that satirically, like, how can you find an interesting way to tackle that? Like, mm-hmm. is this the, a, an idea where she has to... Well, she's in love. and I. Th- but is she performing that? Like, is it is it a soliloquy song where she's like, I feel pretty right now, but, like... Is there a dark? Is there a way think, that you can darken? The I think there is. I think there is because I think for Maria, it's the I feel pretty is that sense of. As a guy, I don't know how to describe this, but I know sometimes as a woman, there's that moment in a teenage girl's life where she doesn't feel like a girl anymore. She feels like she's become a woman. We're not. That's the with the I first still kiss. Reached that point. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> it's terrible. I I don't know where like, where's that coming of age. Yeah, moment and I, I think for so. Maria this is could be a moment where if you directed it as such of a moment of and take out pretty for womanly I feel womanly because she has a guy who likes her she's feeling great because she's feeling sexy because he's wanting he's all hot for her she's not feeling like the wallflower anymore she's yeah. being elevated to well, she, yeah the next level and, and she's about that. her friends because her friends <clears throat> Rosalie and all of them are like what the hell is going on with you like like, unlike Anita, who's, like, banging Bernardo in the back of the movie theater, as they say. Or is, like, having, like, a bath time romp with him after the rumble, supposedly. Yeah. Like, the rest of the girlfriends it's are all so kind of, like, the wallflower-type girls. And so the fact that, once again, there's this girl who's, once again, elevating herself and moving herself up in the social ladder. And I, I don't know. I think, I think it has to be, like, so many times when it's performed. Yes. It's, it's not revelatory. No. And I think there has to be something revelatory about it that is also terrifying. Yes. Like, okay, well, I feel all these things. Now what? Mm-hmm. And that's what's that when you when you read into the text, like when you actually look at the, mm-hmm. the text of it and yep. do it as it up. a monologue. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. I feel pretty and witty and gay. Yep. And I pity any and girl I who is pity a me today. Any girl that is a me today. That's kind of elation. Yep. But then you know, finding... I feel stunning. Oh, so stunning. Yeah. It's alarming how stunning I feel. But it's a new feeling too. Yes. So I think, I think finding the revelation within that can make it a more meaningful. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and bright. 
pity any girl who isn't me tonight. I feel charming, oh so charming. It's alarming how charming I feel, and so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real. Song, but it's I. I wish there was a better way to do it other than this song. Oh, most certainly, and um, I think also it falls into that classic. Original, once again, the original Broadway style of um, the act one ends with the two deaths. The bodies are left on stage throughout all of intermission. Lights go down, bodies off, and then and then the opening of the song is bum 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 bum. And audiences are like, "What is going on?" And then you have that nice happy moment with Maria where she is. I think he also played again as her blissful unawareness, where she thinks. I've stopped the rumble. Nobody's going to fight. It's going to be a good time. I got my boy coming over later. I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling sexy. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm I don't know. If I'm she emulating knows what Anita. Sexy is though. I think. I think there's an innocent version of it where she just feels I'm in love, and then ultimately, because at the end of the song, Chino shows up, all bloodied and bruised, right, and says, "Your brother's dead, and yeah. Tony killed him," because Maria lets slip that she cares for Tony by saying, "What about Tony? Is Tony all right?" And Chino goes, da da da, he killed your brother. Yeah. And and then from there you go into, into, into the somewhere ballet. But I think for this song, I want to get into falls into that trouble. We gotta lighten the audience up a little bit before we somewhere plummet yeah. them into the ground again with Yeah. With I Maria's suppose. I just think it needs to be a little bit more complex. I think also you could do it in the sense of it's Maria's last moment of innocence. Because after yeah, this moment, true. she finds out her brother's dead, her her lover dies. But how innocent can she be? In, in that world of New York. Like, I think you can make her pretty innocent with the fact that, like, she says, like, I, she goes, I, she says, I, I sew on the shop all day and I go sit at home at night. She doesn't see the outside world until dance at the gym. But her brother is there in Anita, so there's got to be some outside I think I, There's probably a little bit of, like, I went out today and, and, and I went and saw a movie and, oh, look at that, Anita and Bernardo are in the back making love. Like, there's that brief moment of that. But I, I I don't I don't know like I don't know like I I think I think I feel pretty is a it's a more interesting song where you can really sit down with the actress playing Maria and be like okay let's actually let's dig into let's this. let's let's dig into this and I make it, it needs and make some it digging it needs some, some mining exactly so I I think that's why I never made my list of songs I don't like because I love the orchestration yeah I love I love Bernstein's opening to act two that. Bum bum bum! It's such such a that big. It's big. It's it's it, it's, big it's, it's, it's that big brass and timpani. Yeah. Boom moment of getting you back in, and then also I think also as like because of the anger management scene with Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler, oh where every time I see hear that song, all I think of is, is two guys in a car on, 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 on like Brooklyn Bridge singing this all female. Kill me. Kill me dance number. Uh, uh, I can almost say Maria. Um, I know. I know. I, it's just like, oh God. Oh, it's the it's the what soft <laughs> what light through yonder window breaks. Of course, you have to have that moment. I know. It's just a bit hokey. I would me. take Maria over something's coming any day. Like yeah. between those two songs, I would definitely go for Maria. Well, it's beautiful. Oh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, gorgeous. But it's, oh, see, now I'm getting really picky. I love it. Uh, but once again... From one hand, one heart to Maria. <laughs> How can I choose? I don't know. It's I, Maybe it's just that it's never done correctly. Like, it's not... I agree. Like, once again, Maria's, Maria's another generic Tony song. It can be played as that quite uh, a bit. Whereas, whereas Tony standing like middle stage... Like, I think one of the best versions I saw was Paul Nolan. And he played it with such 
exuberance that he's sliding around on the stage. Like he's like he's running and sliding across the floor because the floor is like all glass, like that glassy, um, yeah, like asphalt look. So you see him like just swinging off the lamppost, and it's played with such like thunderstruck love that it's like unlike other versions where it's like just in the movie version where it's just what's his name just walking down the street to a backdrop. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. I think because because I, I don't I, I don't think you should ever play that moment slow because it's that moment of building toward tonight. No, it, but it's also complicated. Yes, it's 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 fettered with a, a ton of bigger societal yes. things over top of it. Yes, uh, it basically is. Would a rose by any other name smell as sweet? Yes, Romeo, Romeo, where are they? But it's given to Tony. Yeah, which is interesting. Makes sense for the American writers who who are, who are white men writing for a white male. Yeah, he's got to have the showstopper. Well, it's true. Like, this was the one of the big numbers that came out of the show that was, like, a big solo that everybody got to sing. Yeah. Well, still is. Like, it is. somewhere. Barbara yeah. Streisand. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is a place for all of us. I still love that song. Yeah. I know. All right. All right. So now we get to the last part of the show, which is, does this musical have a place in today's musical theater culture? And... Should it be revived? Autumn, do you want to go first or should I go Boy. first this time? You, this is your musical. You go first. Oh, all right. I say yes. I say this is still a show that has precedence, especially in today's culture in America, where you could change Puerto Rican to Mexican, and yeah. it would still work with the way the Jets and the Sharks interact. I think the whole concept of Warring fractions and the turf wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really still relevant. That's still relevant today. So I think that's why this musical still has something to say to audiences. And uh-huh. it still has a good message to impart to audiences about coming together. Somewhere there's a place for everybody to get along and they're making some kumbaya. That type of thing. Um, so yeah, I still love it. And I, and I, think, I, think, I, think, it's, I think the point is proven where Spielberg is finally getting a chance to do his remake. Yeah. Of the movie where... <laughs> I, I'm I, where Spielberg's been talking. This is one of Spielberg's favorite movies from the '60s. So he's wanted to do a musical for like ages, and this I has know, been the but musical. It's another white man doing a version of it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but like that's the last thing we need. <laughs> but it's Spielberg. Like, well, yeah, yeah. And of all the white men who could do it, I'm glad it's not Tom Hooper, because we'd end up with a camera down somebody's throat again. Oh. Or 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 like Russell, Russell Crowe Crow playing. Oh, no, I, I was going to say cast him as Officer Krupke, which actually could work. No, no. He should never be in another musical. <laughs> never. <laughs> Sorry, Russell. Not your Hugh Jackman name. as Gladhand. No, no more Hugh Jackman either. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the pair of them. Have you heard the um, new girl who's, who's going to be playing Maria sing? This, no. This 18-year-old, like, new person? She's actually fantastic. She actually can sing. She's a big, like, Broadway YouTube singer who, who's been in high school. So she's, like, really oh. Maria's age. Well, that's And right. is also is um, Spanish. Like, well, that's a nice change. Compared to Natalie Wood, who was browned up for the part. Uh, oh, see? This is the problem. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. So, yeah, I, still, I think there's still a spot left I for everybody. I think there's a spot, but I think there needs to be critical dialogue. Yes. 
that happens before every show <laughs> to talk about how it's appropriating. Oh yeah, I think I I think that's why we have the director's notes and the producer's notes in the program for everybody but to no read. No one reads those. I read them. You are alone. I don't even craft director's notes because I'm like, oh, no one wants, let me see it for myself, please. I don't want to hear about your vision. It's not about you. It's about the show and trying to do its service. I think, I think it still has its place. I think the dialogue around turf war yep. is really interesting. I think that idea of class and mm-hmm. feeling... Um, there is no place for you. Yeah. There is no somewhere for you. Yeah. Uh, is, is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. That's why somewhere I think done ironically. <laughs> well, I think that's why you have a song by Tony or, and Maria as like the wish fulfillment that they want to have, but can't have, but she doesn't have it. She will never have it. No. And I think that's the I think that's the dialogue. I think that's the smack in the face at the end of yeah. the show. Oh yeah. But I do think if you're gonna if you're gonna revive it, you have to find a way to make the shark voice equal to the jet voice. And I think by having some of the songs in Spanish, like they like they did with the two thousand and nine yeah. revival, I think that really was an interesting way of going about that. Because they had all the shark dialogue scenes. But they need in to Spanish. rewrite songs in for it. True. Because it's very jet heavy. It is. And what Take happens, out cool and put something else in. Well, what happens when it it is more um, leaning towards one party, you side with that party. True. So, oh, I get it. I understand you. Yeah. Oh, I don't understand this other party. This The otherness. The otherness of this other party mm-hmm, over mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think... Just revisit it and revise it. Yeah. And it could be very interesting and mm-hmm. very um, appropriate. And do it in two languages. Yeah. Oh, man, and audiences, suck it up. <laughs> suck it up. And I think that's the uh. message of the show is audiences, suck it up and learn to speak Spanish. You know Spanish. what? If you want fodder, go see Mamma Mia. <laughs> Period. <laughs> you don't want to think... Watch a Disney film. Actually, those are even thinking films, (laughs) if you can. But don't ask us to spoon feed things to you. Preach it. I will. Well, that's one of the things you taught us at York was never assume your audience is dumb. Your audience is, your audience is. These people obviously were. (laughs) I think Uh. at the time they were writing, these are all very young writers. Like Bernstein was. In the middle of his career, not, not these guys. The audience. Oh, the that audience rejected the Spanish. Oh yeah, that was. I, I think that, I think that was just people in the audience going. I came in expecting to hear. I feel pretty in English, and we get it in Spanish. Awesome, go with it. Right, amazing. You sing the English version exactly, or you know, even better, have like subtitles going across the top of the stage if you need them. Yeah. Oh my. God. I mean, by now this musical's been around for so long. Everybody's heard the, the music. That I think you. I I agree. I think the Spanish should have stayed. Totally. I agree. And add in shark numbers. Yes. And don't Especially in Act it. 2. And, <laughs> and uh, like, Spanish numbers written by someone fr- that is Latin. Linda Juan Miranda. Or maybe someone other than, <laughs> than the one person that no, everyone no. always goes to. <laughs> like, he's not the only nope. Latin person that nope. writes music. That's true. Surely. Yes. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
There's another Lynn Manuel Miranda out there? Yes. Yes, there is. Maybe it's a female. Ooh. <laughs> Who knows? Scary, scary. Scary times. <laughs> All right. Wow. Wonderful. So I, I think that's it for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thank you to Brody Well for creating the fantastic theme music for the show. Hey, Brody. Yeah. We can't wait to have you back for the next show. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on all social media platforms at Before the Downbeat. Our Patreon is still under construction, so be sure to keep an eye out for that once it is ready. Autumn, where can everybody find you on social media? If they want to join you. DM Smith. Love it. If you want to join me in important earth-shattering dialogue, debate, look me up. (laughs) And if you want to hear me do Anita from West Side Story, come find me on all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horner. Thank you again, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you in a theater enjoying some musical theater. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye!